she was really nervous. Uh, this was her first time that she had ever been to a therapist. On top of that, it was a psychiatrist. So there was a, there was a lot of stigma that came around that for her. She sat down, therapist asked her, so tell me what's going on in your life right now. And as she began to ramble, share her thoughts and all that, one of the themes that she consistently went back to was that she believed that she had been called by God in a very unique way. But this calling wasn't just a one-time thing. It was something that occurred again and again and again. She was receiving messages from God. They were signs and symbols that she saw throughout her day. Didn't matter. Didn't matter if it came from people, places, things, <laughs> even, even random fortune cookies. Well, her therapist listened to her, and towards the end of the session, her therapist looked at her and said, these connections that you're making, they don't exist. And in fact, more than likely, what's going on is you are displaying symptoms of hypomania. Now, I didn't know what that was, so I went and looked it up, and I'll share it with you. It says, it's, hypomania is a mild form of mania, which is marked by elation and hyperactivity. So here comes in this woman, sits down across from a psychiatrist, shares what's going on in her life, and by the end of the session, she hears, you're probably dealing with a mental illness. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, really? All of a sudden, reality is like a whap slap in the face. So the question I want us to consider today is when is it religious fervor or when is it mental illness? When we come back, we're going to address those two questions. Example number two, there was a man who walked into an emergency room and he's mumbling incoherently, kind of mumbling to himself. When he's finally asked by a nurse, what's, what's going on? He says, well, I'm hearing voices in my head. And the first thing they do is they run the questions of, well, have you been drinking? Have you been doing illegal drugs? And to both of these, this man says, nope. So if it isn't drugs or alcohol, for the medical personnel, the, the second thing that enters their mind is, well, we probably ought to have a mental health evaluation for this individual. There's a really good possibility with hearing voices, things like that, that he might be end up being diagnosed with a psychotic disorder, something like schizophrenia. But now let's flip it. What if that same man was deeply religious? And what if his mumbling, this incomprehensible language, was him speaking in tongues? What if he could hear Jesus speaking to him? That was the voice that was in his, in his head. 
would he still be diagnosed with schizophrenia or some kind of psychotic disorder? You see, in our society today, if an individual tells you that they talk to God, we, we see that as that person being spiritual, holy. But if you flip it and you say that an individual claims that God is talking to them, <laughs> some people would say we've got a problem. Well, that's exactly what happened with Lori Draybill, or formerly known as Lori Vallow. She was one of those who is said that she was hearing the voice of God. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I could imagine that more than likely you too know of someone, family, friend, even an acquaintance, Someone that has said to you, well, well, God told me. Have you ever questioned that? Have you, have you ever stopped and, and wondered, like, really? God is talking to you. Well, what, especially if what that person is saying is something that you think is like, no, this, this is off. Well, that's exactly what happened with Lori Vallow. Perhaps you've heard of her. She and her, I think it was her fourth, fifth husband, they, they received national, even international news coverage. Their two children, Lori's two children, were missing. And Lori and her husband at that time, Chad, had gone to Hawaii. And people continually asked them, where are the children? And they said, they're okay. There was someone, and we're not going to tell you. Well, that immediately began to raise questions from within the family and outside of the family. And many individuals believe that it was Lori's spiritual relationship with God, being able to hear the voice of God, being able to speak with angels, that it was that that eventually led her and at that time, her husband, to end up in prison, where Lori today is still sitting in prison. She has not yet gone to trial. And allegedly, she killed two adults and two children, her children. Well, the core of her beliefs, when you hear them, it's easy for us to think, man, this woman's insane. But for those that knew Lori... They wondered about her beliefs. They thought they're off. But I don't think at that point they thought she was mentally ill. Not all of them. There were a few that began to pick up on the signs. So what were some of these beliefs? Well, Lori Vallow, or now Lori Daybell, and her husband Chad, they developed a spiritual ranking system. People were either labeled as D, standing for dark, or L, standing for light. And then they had a numerical system, one to six, which indicated where you were in that. For example, if you were a D1, you weren't as bad as someone who was a D6. 
if you were an L1, that was good, but you weren't quite as good as someone who was an L6. So they had a way of ranking people, and as they ranked them, that impacted how they treated and how they perceived them. Another belief they had was that in basically what you would call zombies, they believed that a spirit of, of a person could be pushed out of their body by some dramatic event or even perhaps a deadly injury. Now, once the, the spirit was pushed out of the body, this spirit went into limbo and it left this vacuum. And, and in that vacuum, there might come a demon disembodied spirit who would take up house. Or, you ready for this? Perhaps even a, wor a worm or a slug. Well, and imagine that. If you begin to look at people, if you begin to perceive other individuals as being filled with an evil spirit and basically walking around in a physical form, but the essence of the person is gone, wouldn't that impact how you perceive them? And especially what happened is when they believed that it was their job to get rid of the zombies. Back in 2019, Lori talked to her ex-husband, Charles Velo, and she said that God had told her that she was a God and that she was assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 that you read about in Revelation at Christ's second coming. And that second coming was to occur in July of 2020. Well, it's July 2022. Didn't happen. She said, I was in the way, referring to her husband, he was in the way, and if needed, she would murder him if he tried to stop her. Charles Vallot said that his wife called him on January 30, 2019, and told me she didn't trust me and she would have to kill me when I got home. And then she said once she killed him, she would have an angel there to dispose of his body. This is currently a series that is on Netflix. And it's a series that has raised a lot of questions, again, about what is the difference between a person who is spiritual, that is experiencing a spiritual awakening, and a person who is having a psychotic episode. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? And in our case, what comes first, the mental illness? And because they have a mental illness, it predisposes them that they become more likely to, to accept radical beliefs, edgy, uh, beliefs that are somewhat edgy, edgy uh, beliefs that other people would kind of look at and go, no, really, you believe that? So again, is, is, is it first the mental Ill, illness and that makes you more susceptible to these ideas that are kind of out there on the fringe? Or is it re the reverse? Is it these religious beliefs that can actually lead to mental illness? So what is it? 
Is it mental illness because of religious beliefs? Or is it religious beliefs that can create or heighten an underlying mental illness? Well, that answer is going to impact upon how you think about religion. Uh, there was Dawkins who wrote the book, The God Delusion, who basically said that people who believe in God are deluded. I wonder if he would go to, as far to say if they were mentally ill. So if, if religion can be tied to, to different mental illnesses, if they are somewhat intertwined with each other, not in all cases, but in some cases, then what is the advantage of religion, and in particular Christianity, when it comes to mental health, one's well-being? Would you be better off with religion or without religion? I'm going to address that question when we come right back after this break. A lot of research has been done, and they have looked at religion and its impact upon an individual. And when they've surveyed and they've looked at these individuals, they came to these following results. Number one, a person is better, their well-being is better, and their overall mental health is, goes up when they are spiritual and religious. There tends to be fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety, and these individuals who are religious, who are spiritual, have a better ability to cope with stress. They've even shown that there are certain religious practices, such as meditation, where we see this with, with Buddhists and other individuals who spend a great deal of time in meditation, they've even shown that there is a change in the brain that can boost mental health. Dr. Harold Korig, who is the director of the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University Medical Center, says the following. One of the reasons for this phenomena, this phenomena of better well-being, better mental health, is because religion gives people a sense of purpose and meaning in life. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not as far as what that meaning and purpose is. It doesn't matter if it rationally makes sense. If you accept it, if you believe that there is a purpose and meaning, think back about how we started the podcast. This woman this woman who believed that God was a part of every aspect of her life and she could see God moving in her life, that apparently was working for her to some degree, but then you wonder to what degree because she went in to get mental health. He goes on and says that being religious helps them to make sense of negative things that happen to them. 
A person's religious community can also provide support and encouragement through these difficult times. I mean, life is tough. (laughs) You know that. You, those that you love and care for, they go through some really difficult times. I know I have. It can be reassuring if you believe it's almost like this ideal parent figure is in control of everything. And when you have doubts, when you feel insecure, uncertain, you can turn to that God, this higher power, and you can turn to that for a sense of comfort of knowing that this all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing being is in control. So it makes sense that Christianity, religion, can have a very positive impact. But what they did see in this study was that the impact was based upon these individuals' view of God. If they saw God in a positive light, God is love, God is compassion, God is forgiving, God is accepting of all unconditional love. If they saw God in that realm, then the positives happened. But there's also negatives that comes from religion and Christianity. You see, if you don't see God as that, Yeah, let's think about scales, right? So on one side, God is love, compassionate. But on the other side, God is going to judge everyone someday. And that judgment is going to be based upon how you lived your life. And the results of not ending up on the right end of this balance and the scales go in the wrong direction, the repercussions of that can lead some people to actually experience more anxiety, more stress in their life. And again, studies have shown that if that becomes prevalent in a person's life, if they are told week after week that they are a sinner, if week after a week that they can't trust their reason, they can't trust their emotions, that everything has to be given to God— After a while, hearing that can actually impact your brain. And it can increase stress. And it can increase and stimulate the release of stress hormones. So religion and Christianity can have a powerful impact in a positive way, but it also can have a negative impact. I mean, if you believe that you somehow earned God's disfavor, that God may not be loving you, that your eternal salvation is in jeopardy, that's hard to deal with. The other one that comes into play here when it comes to religion and mental illness, and if religion is having a positive impact upon your mental health or a negative impact, is the stigma around mental illness. We've come a long way as a society when it comes to mental illness. Individuals are far more aware 
I mean, the record number of individuals on antidepressants skyrocketing, people experiencing anxiety, depression, rise of suicide, all of that. So that's happening. People are more aware of it and therefore more accepting, more compassionate toward other people. But underneath all that, there's still an element of stigma. I mean, imagine going out on a date and on your first or second date with this individual, they share with you that they have, they deal with bipolar. How, how would you respond? Would that be a deal breaker? Would you continue to go forward but be somewhat cautious in what you see? So if that's happening in the larger society, imagine what happens in spiritual communities. Spiritual communities have this sense of saying that God will fix everything. That if you trust in God, that if you have faith in God, that everything will be okay. That God can heal you. God can restore you. If you repent of your sins, God will take care of the situation for you. Well, if you're struggling with mental illness, where's God in that? Well, again, the perception is that you better perhaps strengthen your relationship with God. Well, how do you do that? Well, for the majority of Christian churches, that means reading your Bible more and praying more. What happens if you do read your Bible more? What happens if you do pray more, but you're still dealing with the underlying issues of your mental illness? Well, whose fault is that? Is that God's? No. It's yours. And so there is this really fine balance between religion having a positive impact upon people's mental health, but also having a negative impact upon their mental well-being. So where does that leave us? Well, I'd like to leave you with two thoughts, two ideas that you might want to put into play in your life. Number one, consider how you and those around you talk about God and how God intervenes in your life or their life. Next time you hear someone talking about saying, well, God told me, or God did this for me, pause. Is that productive? Does that enhance the well-being of that person's life? If you are the one who hears God or sees God intervening, is that a positive impact upon your life? Is it productive? Or is it a way of just dealing with life? Is it a way, if other people say it, is it a way of them trying to control your life? To be able to tell you this is how you ought to behave, this is how you ought to think, because God has told them, or God has shown them. I mean, this is hard. How, how do you know? It's like that guy we said at the very beginning, coming, coming walking into an emergency room, and he's 
How do how do you know? I mean, I've I've had this happen to me. I live downtown Phoenix, and I've walked by homeless individuals, and they're mumbling and talking about God or talking to God. Are they really hearing God? Well, my first answer is no. Why? Because well, they're homeless. They don't dress well. They don't look clean. They smell. And if that individual was cleaned up, put into a nice suit, hair well-groomed, and I saw that individual standing up front on a Sunday morning telling me that God was speaking through that person, I'm in church. Would I believe him? Just because the situation and the circumstances have changed? So again, I ask you to consider how you and those around you talk about God and how God intervenes in your life and in their life. Second, I challenge you to be more sensitive toward those with mental challenges. that you may be a little bit more gentle toward them. We know that mental illness can arise from two, either separate or together. Two factors come into play. Number one, genetics. Some people don't produce enough serotonin in their brains. There's a chemical imbalance. So genetics can come into play. And there are people that are struggling with their mental health purely because that's just the way they are. But then there's other individuals who have experienced trauma in their life, either as children or as adults. I mean, you hear PTSD, depression, anxiety the culture in which we find ourselves, all of that can have a dramatic impact upon people's lives. And that can affect people's mental health. So when you come across someone who is dealing with a mental health issue, perhaps we need to be a little bit more sensitive, not as quick to judge, Man, I wish I could end this podcast with an answer for you. But unfortunately, many of my podcasts, maybe fortunately, don't have a lot of answers at the end. Instead, I hope what it does is it causes you to mind the ear, to really stop and think about what's going on around you. And in this case... When is it religious fervor, a deep sense of spirituality, or when is it mental illness? Sometimes we'll know, sometimes we won't. And that is what we're going to have to live with. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If this is something that you've enjoyed, I encourage you to do us a favor 
and hit the like button, hit the subscription button, be it if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite platform where you get your podcast. Share it with the others if you think it would be applicable to their life. The other thing I would ask you is if you have any questions, comments, or if there's topics that you would like me to discuss going forward, I encourage you to email me at media at beatitudeschurch.org. You can see that email on your screen. But until we meet again, have a great day, a great week, and no matter what you're doing, stay safe out there. Take care.